When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you've probably heard the news by now, but Michigan State University has announced its intentions to part ways with football coach Mel Tucker. Uh, It's some news that we've expected for a while, Colin Matt, but uh, of course it broke right after uh, we got done recording the main episode that you'll hear coming up uh, yesterday. So that's the life of a podcaster, I guess. You know, we're used to it, news breaking right after we get there, but we, we felt like it would be weird to put out an episode without at least acknowledging the big breaking news here off the top that Mel Tucker uh, will no longer be the Michigan State football coach. Uh, Michigan State putting out a news release yesterday saying they are moving forward with the process to replace him. Um, so, Matt, obviously this put, this puts an end to uh, you know a week plus of uh, a lot of tumultuous happenings and uh, uprising within the fan base. But uh, you know this was always going to be the expected path, I think. There was zero chance that Mel was ever going to coach another game at Michigan State. Um, now this is just the the lawyers taking over, uh, and it's going to be a lot of billable hours from here on out. The university's position, um, as it stated in the five-page letter sent to Mel and his agent yesterday, is that even though there is still the pending formal hearing um, set for October 5th and 6th with the Office of Civil Rights, the The school believes it already has both through Mel's own admissions to the independent investigator, as well as his public comments through made by his through his lawyer last week that it has enough reason to fire him for cause uh, because he violated these certain terms of his contract, the moral turpitude um, clause specifically. uh, And that's just that's their stance. So they're, they're digging in and they don't think they owe him a dime of the roughly $80 million left on his contract. So this is, you know, if if he has seven days to respond according to, you know, the terms of his deal, and if he can't prove why he shouldn't be terminated, the school will fire him on September 26th. So this is just, this is, uh, you know, the way it's going to go. And that's it. I mean, I mean, there, there's no way he's ever coaching again. That was already clear. And now it's just, you know, the university, trying to get out of all the money that's left on, on the contract that he signed less than the extension he signed less than two years ago. Was this just a case of the them, Michigan state talking to the lawyers? And cause, cause it seemed like for a while that it was like, they were going to have to wait for the hearing in order to get out of this. But was this just a case of them like talking to their lawyers and be like, no, we have enough now to move forward with this. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is, you know, they've had, you, you can debate, you know, the timing of all this, but, you know, Michigan State's position, um, as stated during the, the press conference when when Alan Heller announced Mel's suspension, was that, uh, you know, although the, the independent investigator turned in the formal report on July 25th with a recommendation for the formal hearing, the school leaders did not know the details of it until the USA Today report came out. Now, again... You talk to some civil rights lawyers that will tell you that the the Title IX office had the authority, and it clearly does, as stated by law, to step in and suspend him on its own. So without getting into the weeds on all that, this is, yeah, 
lawyers and money. That's 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 the uh, the topics here. Billable hours, right? Yeah. I, I I got a little more lawyer talk uh, that I'll, I'll try to punch up for everyone. Um, really curious to see how this plays out. There's not a whole lot of four cause firings um, in college football. Usually, um, it's just for wins and losses, and these guys get paid out. Um, this is going to be one of the few very high profile four cause firings. Um, and that's because we're talking about $80 million here. We're talking about a colossal amount of money. Um, and based on, so Michigan state sent out like the six page letter at sent Mel Tucker that very clearly lays out their position. It seems like they feel like they have a very strong position. Um, these cases usually go to settlements and that's probably what will happen here, but there's a couple of reasons to think that there could be a pretty big legal fight coming here. Um, one, I think Michigan state, a lot of money involved in Michigan state feels appears to feel pretty strongly. It doesn't owe that money. And B um, you got to think about Michigan state's history in these sorts of things um, with sexual uh, misconduct. Um, any settlement with Mel Tucker is going to look like a, another payment to a um to a somebody a man accused of sexual misconduct you know they got in a lot of hot water over a former dean william strample for doing something like that so i think and i i talked to a lawyer last week who um made this case michigan state could say hey we don't stand for this we're not going to give you millions of dollars to go away after you did some wrongdoing we'd rather pay our lawyers 10 or 15 million dollars or whatever it takes uh to make sure you don't um, you don't get a dime and that, and to prove that we don't stand for this. So, um, that would, that doesn't typically happen, but, um, I, I think given how much money's at stake and given Michigan state's recent history with these types of issues, it, it could be a pretty interesting legal uh, thing. If that's, if that's the sort of thing that you're mm. into. And that's not going to be great for anyone associated with Michigan state, regardless of how it turns out, because it's still going to be negative headlines. It's still going to be in the press. There's still going to be a spotlight on it. And Michigan State will have to decide if that's worth it. And and again, if I'm a betting man, I still think at the end of the day, they still go the settlement route because that seems to be the way these things usually go. But um, maybe they say, hey, we'll eat some bad press. We'll eat some lawyers fees to prove that to prove that we're right, to prove that we don't stand for this and uh, to not pay Mel Tucker a bunch of money. Yep. And if that, I mean, it, it all, all signs pointing to Mel Tucker's done, you know, he's going to get fired. The official word will come out, you know, Matt, you said next week, right? The 26th. So, that's the end then of the, of the Mel Tucker era, which it, you know, it was only four years guys, but it was, you know, we've been, like we said, last pod, you know, the, this pod pretty much coincides with Mel Tucker getting hired. You know, the first pod we did was in the middle of the pandemic, them canceling big 10 football. And, you know, obviously Mel inherited the job uh, in the middle of a global pandemic, that first class, he was trying to, you know, build the program back in the middle of this unprecedented pandemic. And then, you know, they get the big win at Michigan that year. You beat two ranked teams, but you go two and five. And then the 11 and two season comes out of nowhere with just, you know, bringing in Kenneth Walker, who becomes one of the best players in the country. And, you know, the scores five touchdowns in the game against Michigan, the snowball against Penn state, you know, you win a new year six bowl game. Uh, so all these huge, great moments for him. And then you have last year where things just kind of snowballed. You had the tunnel incident at Michigan. Uh, he was the, uh, heading up the program uh, through the wake of a school shooting. Um, and then what's going on this year? You know, it's it's only been four years, but, uh, you know, Mel Tucker, you know, finishes with a 20 and 14 record at Michigan State. Um, but, you know, it wasn't a long time, but it was there was a lot going on there that we went through. Yeah, wasn't uh, wasn't a dull period, I guess, if, if that's one way to put it. I mean. 
very, very inconsistent tenure for Mel. Obviously, you you laid out the you know everybody knows the deal for those three years. If it if it wasn't for Kenneth Walker, I I wonder how much that would have changed. You know, they they clearly overachieved in 2021 with a generational talent leading the way, and he took a lot of pressure off the team in other areas. As a result, you know, Mel's the 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 hot name in coaching and the university. As universities always do, um, they lose in a negotiation where they're not experienced to do so. They overpay for Mel an extension less than two years into the job, and and yeah, and then, and then since since he signed that deal, you know, that's not been, not been great for them. So his uh, his tenure will will be remembered for a lot of flash. You know, these sayings, the into the, the deep water, the deep end is, you know, the 51 page Mel Tucker brand manual that he reportedly gave the Washington Post columnist that, you know, there was never and I was talking to, to somebody about this the other the other day, there was never really an identity for the program. You know, he came in saying, you know, this is you know, Spartan football, tough, run it at will, you know, all, all the things. And he knew because, he, you know, he began his career there under Nick Saban. But the team never really had an identity other than a defense that couldn't stop anybody, still can't stop anybody. Uh, and an offense that, that had Kenneth Walker for, for 12 games. And other than that, yeah. It just it feels like it was a lot of empty promises, you know, a lot of flash and dazzle and fun sayings and cool marketing, but none of it ever really added up to genuine, you know, what Michigan State fans had under D'Antonio and, you know, some of the past years, you know, it just didn't feel like the same team. It felt like, like you said, a lot of flash, a, a facade of great stuff, but not a lot of substance. And in the end, you know, that's kind of what brought Mel Tucker down was his actions rather than what he was actually saying. So, um, you know, it, it it, it's not a successful tenure. You know, 2021 was a fun season to witness, but, uh, you know, people are going to remember how this ended more than anything. And uh, but that's just too bad. From a first year, like 500 Pac-12 coach to one of the three highest paid coaches in the sport within a couple of years to fire and probably not getting any of that much. Like that is just a colossal like rise and fall. Like I, I'm struggling to think of anybody who's gone up and back down as quickly as Mel Tucker just did. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. And, you know, I think he's going to have to go back to the NFL if he wants to coach again. Um, that's that's my Yeah, he might he might be able to do the, the Nick Saban analyst deal, too. Yeah. I wouldn't shock him. Yeah. yeah, he he is not going in a living room to recruit no. No. Um, young young men any anytime uh, soon. So, well, but that's, you know, for the future, it's a different topic. Yep. Yeah. And we'll get into more of the future and, you know, head coaching candidates. There's a lot of time to discuss that uh, in the future. And I'm sure we'll have some coverage on MLive.com as well. So we'll get onto that in the future episode. Uh, but for now, uh, Mel Tucker is out at Michigan State. Uh, so just wanted to touch on that off the top. And now we will head back to our regularly scheduled program. Well, that didn't go very well. It was all set up for Michigan State to have a special day on Saturday with a top 10 team in town and the 2013 Rose Bowl team being celebrated. But by the final whistle, the Spartans were instead left with one of their worst losses in recent memory, falling 41-7 to Washington in a game that wasn't really even that close. Michael Penix once again carved the Spartans up, racking up 713 yards of total offense. Uh, it's a demoralizing loss for a Michigan State team that is now going through it on and off the field. So what's the path forward with much of the season left to play? 
We will discuss on episode 121 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Monday, September 18th, 2023. And Matt, uh, I've got plenty of thoughts, but I'll uh, I'll toss it to you here. It was a different venue, uh, but the same result as last year from a Michigan State standpoint. Uh, what was the, the line Mark D'Antonio always used to use as when people were complaining about the offenses? I know the fans always say, you know, run that touchdown play. Washington had those touchdown plays in and plenty to spare because I mean, I don't know if you were listening to us, you watched it. I, I don't, I I've run out of words to describe it. At least the ones that, you know, I can say um, that are suitable for publication by MI. So, I mean, it was just complete domination. Um, I got the, I believe. Yeah. I had the, in my prediction, I picked Washington's point total right on the nose um, Michigan State's offense was was not where I thought it would be. I thought they'd be more competitive offensively. I knew I you know I didn't think they were going to slow down panics and in in those guys, uh, the receivers that the very talented group of receivers they have. But I thought offensively they would be able to do something. And yeah, I mean they got dominated up front mm-hmm. at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. You know the getting to panics was a, was paramount. That didn't happen either. He was either was just taking the eight, 10 yards as, as like, oh, okay, I'll just take this easy check down or be like, yeah, I'll just go throw it for 40, you know, 50. Um, couldn't get to him. And yeah, that was, I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, this team has consistently shown it. If there is an opponent with a competent passing attack, they can't defend it. They, they, I mean, wide open receivers, even, you know, when you, and, you know, that's like part of the difference with Washington. This might've been the worst matchup for them in the country. Um, you know, even when there were somebody there in coverage, you know, those guys were, those guys are making plays. And then you had the, the Jordan Hall tips that pass, uh, you know, and then you have, well, once a little bit of luck on Washington's part, which obviously wasn't necessary on Saturday, but then you just have really poor tackling and guy just bullies his way to the end zone. Um, so, I, I I mean, obviously it was an incredibly tough position for for Harlan and those players and the the remaining staff to be in with with you know after Mel's suspension. Um, so you you kind of get a pass you know on that I guess, um, but just completely demoralizing loss. And I wonder you know what you know had this past you know that previous week not not taken place, had this all occurred under Mel without any of that. You know, what's, what are you saying then? Because, you know, the same stuff. This is the same thing. This is fourth year for Scotty Hazleton's defense, and they just – it's like watching the same movie over again. Yeah, I mean, I was I was concerned pretty much from the opening jump because we knew they were going to have to – you know, we knew they were going to have to keep Washington's offense off the field. Like you you just said, the terrible matchup for Michigan State. You know, Michael Penix has torn them up, even torn up, tore them up at Indiana. We saw what happened last year when he had time with this same group of receivers. And yeah, the secondary is just not equipped to stop these guys. But early on, I had concerns because, you know, Washington first drive, Dylan Johnson was finding room in the running lanes. He was running the ball well. And if, if Michigan State is going to allow Washington to, to run the ball, I'm like, well, that's going to make their passing effect even more lethal. And then Nathan Carter, Carter couldn't find lanes on offense early on to, you know, that was going to be Michigan State's shot, I guess, to stay in this game was to control the ball, 
keep Washington's offense off the field, you know, get slow, methodical first downs, connect with short passes and just keep the almost play keep away to a certain extent as the clock ticks. But Michigan State couldn't sustain anything. Noah Kim was way off on a lot of throws. I mean, he was he was shaky. He was missing open guys and just nothing that Michigan State they were gonna have to get some turnovers. I think, you know, they nearly had the one from Amorian Smith there early on um, to force the punt. They did get the one stop, but just the things that Michigan State was going to have to do to, to have a chance in this game, it wasn't happening early on, and I was pretty nervous about that. But uh, what are your what are some of your thoughts, Kyle? Obviously, a pretty poor performance. Yeah, I mean, it, take the take the Mel Tucker thing out of it for a second, and I think our biggest question going into this season is: Are they going to take steps to be more competitive in these top ten games um, and against these um, these top opponents? I looked it up during the game. Outside of the 2021 Michigan game that obviously they won great performance, every other time under Mel Tucker, they faced a top 10 team. They've lost by at least three touchdowns. And and most many of them, uh, as you mentioned, haven't really been that close. You know, they've just been blow up Ohio State, Washington last year, Washington this year. Um, so could they at least stay on the field and give these top level teams a game? And it answer was a resounding no. And when you've got three more of those on the schedule, um, I think you um pretty concerned if you're a Michigan State fan of what's ahead. So um I, I I'm I'm of the thought that I don't think Mel Tucker being there um would have made a whole lot of difference. Um, you know, maybe they're a little more prepared, maybe they have a little bit better week of practice, but I just saw guys completely overmatched on the field. And I don't think that changes a whole lot um if the head coach doesn't uh, get suspended during the week. Yeah, I mean, in Washington, I mean, let's give them credit. You know, they're a top 10 team for a reason. They have at least two NFL receivers on that roster, maybe more. I mean, we'll see what happens with Jeremy Bernard. Uh, saw him score the first touchdown. You know, I think he's going to be a threat next year. Jalen Polk is their third receiver, and he would far and away be Michigan State's number one this year. So, I mean, and we saw him go up and make the big catch on the one. We saw Roma Dunze go up and make a huge catch in contested coverage. I mean, these – at certain points, it was just NFL receivers making NFL plays, and Michigan State just doesn't have the guys to match up with them. I, I was more just disappointed by, you know, just the, they seemed lifeless, man. And I don't know if that was the stuff that was going on during the week, but you've got a completely packed stadium. You've got a ton of the 2013 Rose Bowl guys there. They come out to Thunderstruck, you know, which had the place going, you know, kind of a throwback to the, the pre-Mel Tucker era that a lot of people were hoping for honoring the 13 team and, Hey, 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 this is not the old MSU of old. This yeah, is well, the MSU. So I just had I just had to interrupt with that. Okay, so, but you know, you know what they're trying to channel there, you know, and they're just trying to get the energy up and the and the energy was there and the performance was just they didn't seem like they wanted to be out there. It's it's almost like they knew they were gonna be overmatched. I don't know, like it just felt really uninspired. And, you know, my dad was like, I've been to a hundred games in this stadium and I've never left more disappointed than I am right now. And Maybe that has to do partly with what's going on off the field. And I just wonder if, if we're going to have buy-in issues with some of these players now, if they were Mel recruits, and if they're just going to kind of be like going through the motions until they can get out of here. And that's going to be a question that's going to have to be answered going forward. We had a long inactive list uh, before the game, and I don't think we know why some of those guys are inactive, Matt. So it's just – I just think that now, now in addition to the off-the-field stuff, you've got this demoralizing performance on the field and – I don't know, man. This 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 could be setting up for a long year because it just it just didn't feel like Michigan State football, and, and it hasn't felt like Michigan State football really since twenty one. And it's just, I don't know, man. 
and you not love him. And what what was what was 2021? What felt like Michigan State football? Kenneth Walker. You know, let's be honest. That's that set up everything else. You know, but you know there were some other things that were positive that year. You know, they were good against the run. Uh, pass defense was atrocious, but you know they managed to to buckle up, make some stops in the red zone. It just hasn't. It just hasn't worked since. And I, you know, I I don't think that. You know the perform the out, overall outcome was was obviously demoralizing. I'm, but you know there were guys that were fired up to play. Jaden Manga makes that interception late, and in that game is over. He makes a pick, and you know, yeah, he's excited about it. He's running up and down. And even and he, that guy was wide open. <laughs> he just dropped. The, the ball bounced off the receiver's <laughs> hands. Yes, that was a complete drop. I'm just saying there was an excitement. These players were, you know, I can't speak to each guy, but. Um, when the other team is going 95 yards in three plays, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault a lot of guys for being a little demoralized by that. I guess. Yeah, your offense can't move the ball, and they, it look, it's like, I mean, I guess you'd be the passing equivalent of using Bo Jackson in you know Tecmo Bowl back in the day. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what, what do you, what you did? It's un, unstoppable and unfair. So. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you think it's a talent. You just thought it was a, a talent mismatch. Like you're not getting that players aren't still bought in or ready to play for this season. Well, that's, yeah. that's to be determined. You know, you know, like, like Harlan said after the game, he's like, all right, this week is behind, you know, he admitted, you know, he was saying everything you need to say before the game, you know, his, his presser on Tuesday, you know, he said they're mission focused, you know, the guys are resilient, you know, pregame radio show. He said, yeah, we're ready. And, you know, we're ready for this matchup. It's what you gotta say. I mean, what what do you what the hell is Houston say? Now this is this is gonna be a thumping. But after the game, he said, "Okay, this this week, you know, we were a little off kilter, you know, but you know, this week is behind us, and he expects, you know, more a return to normalcy this week." Now they look somewhat similar against Maryland. Then, yeah, I mean, you, you then if, if it really starts to pile on. Well, that's that's game four. That's game four too, critically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if guys, if game four, if after game four, the guys that have played four games want to say, okay, I've had enough of this, and, and hold out for a red shirt, presumably to hit the portal, that's where it could really get ugly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you then you're looking at multi-year issues. Ab- absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, so yeah. this is all in flux. You know, we're only a barely a week into um, <laughs> all this going south. Uh, so we'll see, but um, the, it, yeah, it's no, nobody knows what's going to happen the rest of the season, but the op, I mean, from the jump, you thought if they were to go six and six this year, that would be a step in the right direction, given how difficult their schedule is. Now you have the, the turmoil with Mel and that, you know, that looks like, Damn near a pipe dream at this point in time. I have a positive take, actually. Wow. Um, and I, I don't think I'm the first person to make it. It's kind of a, I don't know. You guys can, can tell me afterwards if it's positive or not. But um, if this season is sliding toward, you know, matches six and six or, or whatever, and, and they're truly not showing any forward progress, what happened with Mel last week is a good thing. Um, because if that hadn't happened, you're looking at still having him there. 
Um, I have a hard time believing they would have moved on from him even after the season, uh, because that buyout would have been enormous, you know, uh, around 70 million, I believe. And I, I don't believe they would have been able to come up with that. So as bad as it feels, I think for Michigan state fans right now, at least, you know, that you are very, very, very likely getting a new coach, um, for next year. And if with the thing that hadn't happened with Mel, I think you'd feel worse because I think you'd feel like, Hey, this is not making any progress. This is moving in the wrong direction. And we're not going to be able to get rid of this coach and, and move on to a new staff. So uh, if you're looking for a silver lining, I mean, I know that's not not the way you would like to uh, to get a new coach, um, obviously, with the embarrassment and, and, and everything that happened. But um, at least if things continue to slide, you can look forward to, hey, we're going to be able to start fresh and we're going to be able to start moving in the right direction after the season. And I don't think that would have been the case otherwise. I got one positive. There was from Saturday, Darius Snow. Um, congratulations <laughs> to him for all the hard work he put in um, to get back on the field. You know, bright young man, good, very good football player. You know, he suffered that brutal uh, season-ending leg injury in the opener last year. The details of which have still not been um, released, um, but obviously it was very serious. Um, ton of recovery time and, and you know he worked very hard and uh, he got cleared last week and according to Harlan was running around the, the team facility in the meetings yelling about getting cleared and back to play you know he didn't play a ton more than maybe like 16 snaps or so I, I can't remember but the fact that he you know he was able to get back on the field um, you know that's Testament to perseverance on his part, and um, that I saw is uh, the only positive on Saturday, other than a successful challenge to a potentially potentially bad outcome with uh, fielding the kickoff right at the one yard line. Well, and that's, going out of that's just like what that was part of it all day, man. There was just mental errors, there was substitution errors, there was the fielding on the one yard line. Like it's, I don't know. And that means, yeah, Kyle, you just brought it. I mean, Scotty Hazleton, I've pushed back on people who just want to put stuff on Jay Johnson and Scotty Hazleton. I think at times they've been overmatched. They haven't had the players, but it's just not working with this defensive scheme. Whatever it is, whether you want to blame the players or what, but it's just not working, and it hasn't been working. And and when it comes to Mel, just I think the more that further we get into you know the Mel situation, the dialogue continues, and it's just – you mentioned the tackling, Matt, like – and I think Mel ran this team when he was in charge way too much like an NFL team. And we've talked about it so many times where he's like, you know, trying to keep guys healthy and not tackling to the ground and wanting to, you know, wear the skull caps and all this. And I get it. And I get that because they had injuries last year, but like, these aren't NFL players, man. These are college kids who needs to be coached up and need reps and need the, to get things going. I mean, like Cal Halliday, I haven't seen him miss a tackle like that in a long time. Same thing on the second one, Malik Spencer missed tackle. The third one, you mentioned it. Yeah, batted ball goes up in the air, but then three guys missed the tackle on the way to the end zone. Like, it's just brutal. And it's just like, how many times were they actually hitting in practice? I mean, you guys were there. Like, but but it's just, it doesn't look like they were at all. Well, I mean, we're not we're not there for for hitting. Um, and I can't, I like I can't speak to the the way they practice. Mel Tucker obviously knows a hell of a lot more and his guys know a hell of a lot more about football and trying to keep guys healthy. And, and that I, I, I am unqualified to, to offer critique in, in that area. Just, the, I mean, all I can say is the product on the field is what it is. Um, I, you know, we're not there behind the scenes. The, the little bit of practice they will let us watch is stretching basically. 
I, I think I think that's legitimate, but also like they got so many guys hurt last year. It's like, you know, everyone's screaming for him to do something. Did they swing too far the other way? Maybe, but also we learned last week Alex Van Sumeren suffered a season ending knee injury during uh or no, I shouldn't say knee injury, we don't know that for sure, but we heard it's a knee injury, uh season ending injury during uh during fall camp. So it's 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 hard, I think, to find the right balance and um I they probably haven't found it, but it's, it's what about the quarterback, Matt? No Kim Really didn't look very good. I mean, I'm not blaming it all on him. He didn't have a ton of time, but you know, 12 for 31, the interception, 136 yards. He just looked off, was missing. There had some open receivers. Even some of the catches that they did complete was good catches by Trey Mosley and some of the other guys. The first in INT was just a brutal read. He wasn't there. I mean, Caden Hauser came in against backups and looked like Noel Kim against backups and blowouts last year. So uh here come the calls for no for Caden Hauser, but uh I don't know, man. You get blown out on your home field with an uninspired performance. Assuming the young guys are still willing to play uh, and still planning and being in this program, I don't know why you don't at least see what you got in Caden Hauser at this point. But it's it's too, it's too early for that. You can't. The guy won the job in fall camp. You know, he waited his turn. This is his fourth year. You know, if you thought he was the best guy to start the season, you don't pull the plug on the on the first loss a week after he's named. Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. Yeah, did he have a good game? Absolutely not. He, it did not look good. But you know, this is this is the you know you played Central, you played Richmond, and then you just played one of the best teams in the country. You know, he was. But you're not surprised he didn't come in and sooner in the game. No, Hauser? like I was surprised they put Kim back out there in the second half when it's a blowout. I no, because you. They, I understand they were wanting to try and build something, something positive for him to build on. I would assume um, it didn't happen, and then it, then you just like okay. That's that's enough negativity for the day. We'll just we'll just scrap it. But no, I I was I was not surprised that they kept him in there that long. And you can't move on that quickly. You got to give him a little bit more time. Now, if he continues to struggle, then yeah, obviously you you have to evaluate the options at that point. Whether you want you know go with Hauser, maybe Sam Levitt needs a look. I don't know. That's that's they see this stuff every day. They know who they believe is the best person for the job. But gee, I, I, it's too early. I, in my opinion, to, to move on from a guy for one tough game in his third career start. So tough to probably answer this now, but you know, this Maryland game, I think is going to show a lot of about what the rest of the season is going to look like. You know, if they come out and they get housed by Maryland on their home field, you know, similarly to how the week after Washington last year, they came home, played Minnesota in the big 10 opener, and it wasn't even competitive. And I think after that, people were kind of like, okay, we might really be in some trouble here. Um, You know, they're going to have a chance here to rebound against Maryland, but I don't I guess I'm open to the idea to chalk this one up to Washington just actually legitimately being one of the five or six best teams in the country, more so than Michigan State being in real trouble. Uh, I guess we can kind of th- – I mean, how do you feel about that? It, was this just a case of playing a really good team and Michigan State could have a chance? I know we're going to learn a lot against Maryland, but it's obviously a big game coming up to try and rebound and, and move forward with this season. Yeah, I mean, if they look like they did against Minnesota last year, that would be um, another, a huge red flag. So – I mean, again, you can kind of give the players team a little bit of a pass for, for last week, given the circumstances and everything. Um, but yeah, if, if it continues to look that bad on Saturday against Maryland, which 
you know, will obviously be a challenger, 3-0. and They have a good quarterback who has given them trouble in the past. But if you're non-competitive, again, at home, man, it's going to be a long, long season. Yeah, and it could be a couple long seasons, too. Yeah, you mentioned – let's look at Maryland. Do we have a line on that game yet? I haven't seen it one yet. But, uh, I haven't even uh, – that, that has not been on my radar uh, so I, far. All right, yeah, I was trying to pull it up. But, you know, you mentioned they're 3-0, wins over Towson, uh, Charlotte, and then most recently against Virginia on Friday night, which I don't know if you had a chance to catch that, Matt, but it was really the first time I've gotten, like, a long, extended look at Maryland. And, uh, you know, they're kind of similar as they have in the past, led by another veteran, experienced quarterback, Talia Tugavaloa. Uh, you know, Jay Sean Jones has been their leading receiver, but they have two transfers as well that can make plays, and uh, Caden Prather and Ty- Tyrese Chambers, and then – uh, Corey Deitches is the receiver, so options in the passing game, but they've also been working in three backs. Uh, Roman Hemby averaging over six yards per carry. Colby McDonald's averaging almost eight yards per carry is kind of like a bigger step in guy. So I don't know if this is as high-flying of a Maryland passing attack as we've seen in previous years, but they've been able to run the ball really effectively. So, um, you know, if Michigan State performs like they did against Washington, uh, it's probably not going to matter, but, you know, maybe, you know, a little better matchup than perhaps last year, for example. And you also get him at home. So, but it's a big game. Yeah. I mean, again, this is going to, this game will tell you a lot about what the, the second half of this season is going to, how it's going to set up, you know, you know, you get this one, then first game that I first road trip at Iowa. Um, and then you get a bye week, you know, just like that. I mean, it, it's Moving quickly, but yeah, they they have to show some resistance. Like if they get steamrolled again, I mean, boy, <laughs> you think fans are gonna, fans are going to check out? And then you have the roster questions about Diane and and the portal and, and red shirts and yeah. So I I don't know how to. I'm just you know going to keep. I don't know how to say the the same thing over and over. Like in trying to write more about that game that happened Saturday. I mean, it's the same thing over and over. So you guys know. I think I've tried to make my point clear. Uh, Maryland opened at minus four and quickly moved to minus seven, which is where, it, where they're at right now. Minus four to open? I'm yeah. not in a sports gambler, but I would have been, you know, had I bet, had, if I was, I would have been. Well, don't worry, Matt. They quickly corrected it. <laughs> Here's the thing about Maryland. Every year in Maryland. I think in September, I think Maryland's going to be good because they open really strong. Um, and then every year in like mid October and November, I realize, oh, wait, they weren't good. So, yeah. And Michigan State is 10 and three all time against Maryland. They obviously, Maryland won last year, 27 13 in College Park. But, you know, Maryland is a team that Michigan State has generally handled since they've joined the Big Ten. Granted, Michigan State has had better teams in the past than they have lately, but. I just think this is a big program game, Matt. We said the same thing against uh, coming into that Minnesota game last year, that if you let it steamroll, if you let the season snowball, things could start to look bad. You know, that that happened last year, and then they kind of got it together in the middle with wins over Wisconsin and Illinois, but then it fell apart again against Indiana. So uh, it just feels like a lot of deja vu. And like you said, you, you feel like you keep repeating yourself with the issues with the team. To me, that's the biggest concern. Like the things that have plagued this team just don't aren't getting better. You know, it's year four now. Scotty, Scotty Hazleton's system, they still can't cover anyone. Like, the no-fly zone guys were there uh, on Saturday. Like, can you imagine what they were probably thinking in their heads watching that defense? 713 yards. That was the most all-time, right? Yes, most allowed in program history. 
What do you think the no-fly zone standing on the sideline? Trey Wayne probably just wanted to like go back to his hunting blind and never come back to the <laughs> stadium again. Well, I, I do know that Le'Veon Bell was on was not part of that Rose Bowl team, but he was in the house. He was on the sideline before the game. Uh, and then he was quickly tweeting from I don't know where in the stadium about how poor the tackling was. So <laughs> they had that going. Um yeah, I mean it's I think I'm about done uh, as far as revisiting this stuff. I, I have I have about no, nothing left to say about this past week. I'm, I'm about done with the season. Can we call it? <laughs> I mean, th- there is a chance, right, that like this was a really poor matchup and they do a little bit better. Like I'm trying not to be like a total prisoner of the moment here. Um, the other thing I will say is, um, and Matt, you can attest to this too. I, I do think that, Harlan Barnett um, has a good chance to get the best out of these guys. I think he's a very well-respected guy who's well-liked. Um, and I guess I feel like if if it goes downhill, like, um, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be because guys didn't respect Harlan or he couldn't, you know, get the job done. I think it's the, the situation. So I think there's a there's a chance they look better than this, and this was just a really poor matchup. Um, and, I mean, I think they at least have, under this very trying circumstance, the right guy in there to try to make the best of it. Yeah, again, like this could have been maybe the worst matchup in the country for them. For a lot of teams, too, in their defense. At, oh, yeah, at, at the worst possible time. So take that, keep that in mind. But, yeah, Harlan has, you know, been around him for a number of years. Very, very well-respected individual within that team. Um, so J.D. to playing after the game had said every single player on this team, you know, is bought in or, respect, you know, for – you know, Harlan or whatever, you know, respects him or is bought in and, you know, and and that's true. I mean, he, he seems by all accounts to be, you know, he's obviously a very experienced coach. He was a player there, he was an outstanding player there. And, and he led those, that really good, those really good secondaries. Um, like Kyle said, he's the right person. Um, it's just unfortunate for him that, you know, when he gets to make his head coaching debut, it's in just about the worst possible circumstance. So, um, yeah, that's if anybody can get it out of them, I I, I agree that with Kyle. I think it's Harlan. Uh, it's just uh, going to take uh, take a little longer to find out what, what's really going to shape up the rest of the way. And I think we should we we probably should expect Michigan State's offense to look better than than that. I mean, Nathan Carter's run the bell well early on, and I don't know he he had some trouble against Washington, but we'll see. I mean, that's going to be they're going to have this defense isn't going to shut anyone down. So you're just you're just going to have to to score some points here to try and stay in these games. I just, yeah, I know they perform well against Richmond and central Michigan, but you know, miss me with that. They got a big 10 schedule coming up here. Is there anything else like off the field, big updates basketball wise that we just need to touch on real quick here before we get out of here? Or are we good? Uh, no hoop schedule coming this week. Uh, told Tuesday, um, practice. I think it might even be next week. Yeah. I think next week they'll start practicing. So if Saturday goes poorly, uh, or you got that to look forward to <laughs> basketball season is coming. Michigan's top three in the country and state fans are looking forward to basketball. Like all is right in the world again. So, uh, yeah, maybe Thomas will just be the next football coach. Who knows? I saw Tom. I was on an elevator with Tom and Steven, uh, during halftime. He was, uh, not smiling. Hopefully some smiles to come in the future for Tom Izzo. He's got a pretty good team this year, but uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of M live Spartan confidential podcast. Tough loss for Michigan state uh, to take against Washington on a big night there at Spartan stadium, but we will see if they can rebound against Maryland this week in the big 10 opener. It's a three 30 kick 
from Spartan Stadium. All three of us will be there. So for Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel, I'm Braden Champion. Thank you once again for listening to Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time and go green.